Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. We have been studying through the book of Galatians, and we're going to backtrack in Galatians about two verses. We've made it all the way to verse 4, but we're going to, we're going to backtrack. Let's go to verse 1. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. And look at this. By Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we search the Scriptures today to try to find out what the gospel message really is. Father, please help us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This phrase, look at what it says. Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Jesus was raised by the Father from the dead. Is that what the Bible says? Yep, that's right. This is the most oft-repeated phrase in the entire New Testament. He raised him from the dead. What is repetition in the Bible? It's God's volume control. When God wants to shout some... Wow. Some dental work on that, didn't I? When God wants to shout something to us in the Word of God, He just repeats Himself. And the more He repeats Himself, the more important the message becomes. This is the most repeated message in the entire New Testament. God raised Him from the dead. Now let's compare some verses this morning. The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to find out why it says that God raised Him from the dead. And then we're going to compare what the apostles said in the book of Acts to what is being proclaimed in many places today. So, first of all, go with me to the book of John. And I hope you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible provided for you in the pew. And you're going to be lost in this church service if you don't have a Bible. So, if you can get a Bible, there's one there in front of you. Someone can, you can look on with someone else. We're going to go to John chapter 10, and we're going to be looking through some of these books of the Bible. If you're not sure where a book of the Bible is, there's a table of contents at the front of the Bible, and uh, that's what it's there for. So, John chapter 10, and look at verse 18. Look at what Jesus Christ said. No man, he's talking about his life, verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me. Because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now notice what it says. And this may appear to be a contradiction to you. The Bible says in Galatians that God raised him from the dead. Here Jesus Christ said, No man taketh my life, but I lay it down. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up. What is this saying? Well, first of all, we understand that God is a Godhead. There's one God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So whether it's God the Father raising Him from the dead, or God the Son Himself rising from the dead, it is still God raising him from the dead. Amen? 
So there, there's no contradiction there. But when you see something like this, it's because God wants us to understand something. Jesus Christ as God. I, I flew to uh, Atlanta last Sunday afternoon to speak at a church in, in Jonesboro, Georgia. And on the, on the way down, I sat next to, this man sat next to me. I saw he had some kind of a religious book with him. And so I asked him what, what church he goes to. And he said he was a part of the Way International. And he was here in New Knoxville uh, studying because he leads a group in Oklahoma City teaching what they believe. And I said, well, what do you believe? When I teach about what a Baptist believes, there are certain things that make us distinct from other Christian groups. I said, what is it that makes your faith different? And he said, well, we believe that the Bible is our only authority. And he said, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, that was a little clue right there. And I said, that's interesting. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? And he said, well, no. Now, how many of you all already see that there might be a problem here? Because if Jesus Christ is, God, is not God, he cannot pay for our sins. Jesus Christ is God. As a matter of fact, go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1. He said, nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus Christ is God. And I said, oh, contraire, my friend. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verse 8. But unto the Son, and you see that that's capitalized? This is speaking of Jesus Christ. This whole text is speaking about Jesus Christ. If you look at ch uh, chapter 1 and verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Look at verse 8. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne. What are those next two words? O God is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Man, you should have seen him. He looked at my, he said, I've never seen that in the Bible. And I said, here, let me show you. And I got my Bible out and I, I showed him. And he went like this. He went, He said, I'm not sure that's what that says. And I said, wait a minute. That's all that it can say. And so we went through the Bible and we saw in John 1, 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but He is also God the Son. And then, of course, there's the third person of the, of the Godhead, and that is God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is here today. And if you're not born again, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's what's going to happen today. As we look through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit of God is going to be doing this. Knocking on your heart's door, saying, Will you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for you, and that He rose from the dead, proving that He was and is and always will be God? The Bible says that God raised him from the dead. Why does it say in John 10 that I can lay down my life and I can take it up again? And then in Galatians 1, it says God raised him from the dead. Why is there that distinction? Well, look with me in the book of Isaiah. 
Isaiah chapter 53. This is very important. Isaiah chapter 53. This was written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, and it is a specific and detailed prophecy about Jesus. And it's amazing the way that he fulfilled it. And uh, if this is the first time that you've seen this, just the prophecies in the book of Isaiah, the chances of these prophecies being fulfilled in one man are the same chances as if you filled the entire state of Texas a foot deep with silver dollars, put an X on one of those silver dollars, blindfolded yourself, had somebody spin you around, and you go and pick that one up. That's the chance. The chances of you getting that one silver dollar in the entire state of Texas, one foot deep, that's the same chance that just eight of the prophecies of Jesus Christ were fulfilled in one person. And there are more than 200 that were fulfilled. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, prophesied by God 700 years in this text before he was born. And look at what the Bible says about him. Verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Now look at what it says. Smitten of who? God and afflicted. Look at verse 6. All we are like, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at verse 10. Yet it pleased who? The Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Keep your place there in Isaiah chapter 53, and look at what's happened. According to the word of God, and, and when the movie The Passion of Christ was out, there was this great controversy about who killed Jesus. Was it the Jews, or was it the Romans? Who killed Jesus? Neither, neither. God killed Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. God did this. Now, did men take him with cruel hands and crucify the Son of God? Did they do that? But they could not have done it if Jesus didn't let them. They could not have done it if God hadn't ordained that Jesus die for the sins of the world. And so when it says that God raised him from the dead... The reason that is so important is because it demonstrates that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was good enough. That sacrifice, that payment for sin, satisfied the righteousness of God. You know how we know that? Look at the next verse in Isaiah 53. Verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be what? Satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he bore our sin. That's what he was doing there. He didn't have any sin of his own. He died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. That's what the Bible says. So when it says that God raised him up from the dead, that is the scripture telling us that God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Then, look, I want us to look, go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to go through the book of Acts 
And we're going to find out what was the gospel message that was preached. Um, In different buildings all over the world today, people will be talking about religion. In some of those places, they'll be talking about Krishna. In some of these places, they'll be talking about Buddha. In some of these places, they'll be talking about Jesus Christ. In some of the places that talk about Jesus Christ, they'll say, in order for you to go to heaven, you must believe in Jesus Christ, and you must also do a certain number of things. You must be baptized so that you can go to heaven. You must do some good works so that you can go to heaven. You must take communion so that you can go to heaven. You must live a good life. All of these things that are added to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the message that is preached in buildings all over the world this morning on the day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is that right? How many of you might have seen something on television today where someone was talking about something like that? This happens every Easter, every Resurrection Sunday. There we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in many cases, we're told it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ plus a good life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ plus baptism. The resurrection of Jesus Christ plus something else. Why don't we find out what the apostles preached? How many of you think the apostles knew what they were talking about? Good idea? Let's see what the apostles said. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now look at what what their message is. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Okay, here is the message. This is the simple message of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. Jesus Christ was given by God to die on the cross for your sin. You crucified Him. God raised Him from the dead. That's the message. That's the message. And this message becomes very important. They were specific witnesses of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice what's not there. Look at what's not there. The message of hell is not there. Isn't that interesting? Now, how many of you are glad you don't have to go to hell? Amen. Hell's a very real place. But the gospel message is not, here, do this so you don't have to go to hell. That's The gospel message is you are not right with God. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. That sacrifice was accepted. Here's the question. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? And there's something else that's so significant about this message. This message is superior to every other message in the world. Someone will say, here, I have this idol that you can look like, that you can look at. What do we have? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Here, I have this sacrifice that you can make. 
Here's what we have. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Here are some prayer beads that you can have. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Here, you can be baptized. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Here, you can live. This teacher was a great teacher. He had great wisdom. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Which message is better? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You see, something special happens when a dead man gets up and walks. Amen. You can go to the place where Muhammad is buried. You can go to the place where Buddha is buried. You can go to the place where Jesus was buried, but he's not there. He's risen. It's a superior message. Look with me at Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. This is the message. What are we, what are we witnesses of? That God raised him from the dead. Look at verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. What is Lord and Christ? Lord and Christ. Now, who is he speaking to here? Men of Israel. He's speaking to Jews. They only understood Lord as Jehovah God. Is that right? So here's their message. Jesus Christ, who you crucified, God hath made Lord and Christ. What is Christ? That's anointed one. He's their Messiah. They killed the Lord, their Lord, and their Messiah. What is the message of the book of Acts? You killed Jesus. God raised him from the dead. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? That is the message of the gospel. And it's a superior message to everything else. That's the simple message. What are they witnesses of? Temple sacrifices? Feast days? Holy days? No. They're witnesses of the resurrection of the dead. Now, look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Look at verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Isn't that interesting? When they healed somebody, they knew it wasn't their own power or holiness. Is that right? Look at what it says. The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And look what the Bible says in verse 15. And killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. What are they witnesses of? That they killed the Prince of Life and God raised him from the dead. What are, what's our message? What's our message? Jesus died for you. God raised him from the dead. That's our message. If you add anything to that, it's not the gospel. You take anything from it, it's not the gospel. That is what they were witnesses of. Now look at the next verse, verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, Yea, the faith which is in him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now listen, this is the Christ 
that God the Father sent to be the Savior of the world. He was killed. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. That's the message of the book of Acts. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob. And I want you to notice again the sin that these men had committed. How many of you think these men had probably lied or stolen or something in their lives? But what's the sin that they're confronted with? The sin of crucifying the Son of God. That is the sin that we all must deal with. The sin that is keeping us from going to heaven is the rejection of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the message that was preached. That is the message. Then... Let's look at another passage. Look with me in chapter 26, Acts 3, verse 26. Unto you first, God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from His iniquities. When you received this risen Son... When you receive this risen Son, you're turned away from your iniquities. Notice the difference. You see the, you see the order? It doesn't say that you turn away from your iniquities and then you receive the Son of God. When you receive the Son of God, then you are able to turn away from your sin. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 that, God, that Jesus Christ gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world. That's why He came, to deliver us from this present evil world. What delivers us from this present evil world? Jesus does. You see, the idea of you getting better, giving up enough sin so that you can go to heaven, good luck. You can't do it. You, you can never be good enough to go to heaven. How about this? Remember when you were a kid? You're out playing in the dirt. Did you get cleaned up to take a bath? No. You took the bath to get cleaned up. Salvation is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He cleanses you from your sin. And then you can walk a life. You can, you can live a life where you are not a slave to that sin anymore. But if somebody ever tells you, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to give up this, you've got to give up this, you've got to give up this, that is not the message that the apostles preached. That is not the gospel. It's not. And it's not the message of the early church because the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Peter has one chance to preach unto them, and he preaches, you are guilty of the death of Jesus Christ, and he died because of your sins. Look with me at chapter 4, verse 8. What do you think the message is here? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. What was their message? The, the, well, how do we do anything? Remember that man that you killed, Jesus Christ? God hath raised him from the dead. 
That's how we work. Look at what the next verse says, verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What is the message? Jesus Christ. The only way to have eternal life is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. You add something to it, it's no longer the gospel. You take something from it, it's no longer the gospel. That's the message of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. What do you think the message is here? Acts 5, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. What's the message? You can have forgiveness of your sins by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're guilty. Jesus Christ wants to make you clean. It's the message of the gospel. What would cause them to turn from sin? What was their message? You're responsible for the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. God raised Him from the dead. Believe it. Believe it. What about the gospel? You might be saying, notice, this is all to the Jews, to Israel. I'm not Jewish. I don't live in Israel. Okay, what's the message to us? Look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Notice there's a, there's a division there. John preached. He had his baptism. After that, Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. And now look at what we preach. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give all to, to him, give all the prophets witness, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. If you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, you will receive remission of sins. What is remission? They'll be taken away. Your sin's gone if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe that you are guilty of that, that you are a sinner, that He died for your sin, and that God raised Him from the dead. That's the message of the book of Acts. 
Look with me in verse 34. Oh, no, let's just go on. Look at Acts chapter 17. Oh, I can't skip it. Let's go to chapter 13. Let's go to chapter... We have time. Acts chapter 13. Your ham's not going to burn. Look at verse 26. Acts 13, 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So to the Jews and to everyone else who fears God and who hears it. Look at what it says. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. See what the Bible says? All those people who read the prophets every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled what the prophets said by crucifying Jesus Christ because the prophets had prophesied that the Jews would kill Jesus. Then, look at what it says. Verse 28, And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and who are his witnesses unto the people. We declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he saith on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Look at verse 37. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. What is the message? He raised him from the dead. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your blood is. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. God raised him from the dead. If you will believe that, you can have eternal life. That is the message of the gospel. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Look at verse 22. Now notice who the apostle is preaching to. He's in Athens. He's on Mars Hill. This is the center of culture, the center of art, the center of drama. And they have all of these different gods. He doesn't get into discussion with them about the culture. He doesn't challenge them about their art. He doesn't challenge them about their drama. He doesn't challenge them about their other gods. What does he do? Look what it says in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, Him declare I unto you. What's our message? I want to tell you the message of the one true God. You might have other gods, you might have other religions. Let me tell you the message of the one true God. And look at what His message is. His message is very simple. Number one, look at verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein. Hey, this God that we worship, He made the world. Then, look at the next thing it says. And dwelleth, and He is Lord of heaven and earth, and dwelleth not in temples made with hands. You know what the next part of the message is? This God, He doesn't need anything from you. 
There is nothing that you can bring to him that he needs. If you bring him every penny you have ever earned, he doesn't need it. It'll buy you nothing. If you bring him every good work that you've ever done, he doesn't need it. It'll buy you nothing. I'm going to build you an altar. I'm going to build you a big temple. I'm going to build you the greatest cathedral in the world. He doesn't need it. He doesn't dwell in temples made with men's hands. He doesn't need it. Look at what the next verse says. Here's the next part of the message. Verse 28. Or verse 25. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. You ready for this? You think you've done something for God? Everything you have is from God. Everything. Everything. Look at the next part of the message. Verse 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth. You see, it doesn't matter what your race is. Then look at what it says. And hath determined the times. doesn't matter when you live. Before appointed. And the bounds of their habitation. doesn't matter where you live. Why? Because he wants you to turn to him. Verse 27. That they should seek the Lord, if haply, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Look at verse 28. You get your life from him. For in him we live and move and have our being. Look at verse 29. You can't make him a God with your hands. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and men's device. Notice, when you walked into this building, there wasn't anything for you to bow down to. There are no idols. There are no statues. There's nothing like that. God cannot be worshipped with the creation of men's hands. Is that what the Bible just said? Look at what it says. Verse 30. Verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. What does to repent mean? Repent means to change your mind. Change what you believe. And that change of belief will change the way that you behave. But it begins with a change of your mind. And look at what it says. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. How, did, how do we know that he ordained him? Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. That's the message of the gospel. That is the message. God doesn't need anything from you. You can bring everything to him. None of that. None of that will pay for your sin. You know what will pay for your sin? The blood of Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead, proving that he accepted that sacrifice. That sacrifice satisfied the justice of God. You can have eternal life and be born again if you'll believe that. Look, we can't answer every question in the world. Someone will say, why did my baby die? Why did my father get sick? Why was there a war here? Why is it that we have all kinds of liberty here in America and people are living in oppression in Myanmar? Why am I here and they and me. I can't answer those questions. I don't know. But one thing I do know, God raised him from the dead. That's the answer to every man in every time, at any time. It's the answer for every sin. It's the answer for every problem. Look at the response of the people to Paul's preaching. Verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. You know that still happens today? 
That still happens today. If I go into a, a, a place of business and I'm in a conversation with someone and I tell them I'm a Chicago Bears fan, well, they might mock me, but it's in good fun. Who cares? You know, the only people that need to be really mocked are Steelers fans because, you know, no sense at all. None. Isn't it silly? It doesn't matter. I can go in and tell you my favorite book. I can tell you a favorite movie or a favorite, a favorite singer. Imagine if I told you Michael Jackson is my favorite performer. Woo-hoo! You know, it doesn't matter. Now, now, let me just say this for the record. He's not. I don't know where his other glove is. I don't have any idea. Now, listen, if I tell you that he's my favorite, that doesn't matter. You might prefer someone else. It doesn't matter. People don't get mad about that. But you tell them that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. All of a sudden, people get mad. You get thrown out of places. You tell them that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He paid for your sin. You get thrown out of places for that. Why? Because telling somebody you're a Chicago Bears fan doesn't bring conviction to their spirit. Telling them that Jesus Christ died for their sin because they're sinners, that brings tremendous conviction to the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You see, the message, the response to the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is always the same. Some mocked, verse 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. You know, let's not cut off the message from somebody. You give somebody the gospel and they don't receive it, don't cut them off. They might hear you again. Tell them again. Then look at what it says. Verse 33, So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit, certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. You see, when you give the gospel, what is the response to the gospel? Some believe. All right, so what is God's formula for salvation? How does a person get to go to heaven? Do you have to be baptized? No. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? I thank God. He said, God sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So apparently, baptism is not a part of the gospel. Amen? So baptism isn't a part of it. You see, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is the formula? What is the formula? Let's just finish it up. Romans chapter 10, and we'll be done. Romans chapter 10. God hath raised him from the dead. Romans chapter 10, in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. What does that mean, the Lord Jesus? Well, you're going to confess that Jesus Christ is God. He's God. That's, Lord is not mister. You confess that he is God. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You say, wait a minute. Every Christian church in the world believes that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Yeah, but they don't believe that's all you need. Right? If you believe that his death, burial, and resurrection, he died for your sin, and he rose from the dead, and that paid your sin because you were guilty, but that paid it. 
If you receive that gift, you believe that, you have eternal life. Amen? Now you say, Pastor, what about all those other things that you always teach on? You're always teaching us about baptism. You're always teaching us about all these things that we're supposed to do or not do. All that can come later. None of that has anything to do with whether or not a person goes to heaven. How does a person get to go to heaven? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, Pastor. I do believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that mean that everybody gets to go to heaven? No. Somehow, that death, burial, and resurrection, that satisfactory payment has to be applied to your account. How is that applied to your account? If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and that that's all you need, you'll be saved. That's it. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you rose from the dead.